0: I work as a ranger, and as you can imagine, we happen upon some very strange things from time to time. All sorts of things that I could tell you about. Things that members of the public would never believe. Things that I would have never believed without having seen them firsthand for my very self. One of those things is when we found a whole load of dead animals with no obvious injuries whatsoever. Upon closer inspection, we happened to come across two tiny puncture wounds on their bodies, but in random places. Sometimes the neck, but often the leg, stomach, anywhere really, and cause of death was always full and total loss of blood. The bodies were dry husks. We're not just talking small creatures either. We found deer, doe, and bucks, moose, even black bear. We didn't have a clue what on earth could possibly be responsible. One of my colleagues threw the idea of a vampire, but he was rightfully laughed at. We didn't have a clue what on earth could possibly be responsible. So we ended up having a stakeout trying to capture what was causing all of this devastation. We set up nighttime cameras, and a few of us made the decision to stay out too. At this point, we were more interested than frightened, and also, we wanted to know what was doing this. Around midnight, we heard a noise. We were all hunkered down, just waiting to see what, if anything, might come. But of course, the woods in the evening isn't exactly quiet, so we were just waiting to see what was causing the attacks. We were looking at the monitor, which was showing us the screen from the infrared cameras. We didn't want to get too close to where we thought the action was taking place, as whatever predator it was would be able to smell us and likely not appear. Well, something did show up on camera but we have no idea what it was. It was large, a strong and sturdy mass by the look of it, appeared to have dark skin or fur, and was able to overpower the deer without any problems. We hadn't set any sort of elaborate trap, as to be honest. We weren't even sure if it was going to show, and if it did, where it would be. But we did have guns and a flare, which we now shot up into the sky as a warning. It didn't react at all to the flare, so we shot off a couple more rounds. More to scare it off than anything. This, it didn't seem to like, and it raced off. There were three of us watching this. Two of us were veterans at this game, but we had a rookie with us too. The other and I were more than happy to observe. We didn't want to go chasing after this thing when we probably weren't prepared to protect ourselves. Whatever that creature was, it was easily able to overpower and drain large animals of their blood. If it could take down an adult moose, why not a person? However, the rookie must have gotten it into his head that he wanted to be some kind of hero as he charged off in the direction of the beast. Thankfully, whatever it was was now long gone, Even with a firearm, I wouldn't have hedged any bets on who would win. And do you know what? It never came again. Whether it knew it had been spotted or not, or whether it sensed us there, we'll never know. But we never had another unexplained death. No more random puncture wounds, and certainly no more draining of blood. It'll be a mystery that we will never solve. My parents were high school sweethearts living in Arizona at the time. Sometimes they would go horseback riding together far out into the desert. They ended up buying a ranch too. But before all of that, they had a really messed up and traumatic experience. Just after they had gotten married, they decided to head out into the desert for a couple of days and camp out overnight they each rode a horse and took a tent and supplies. They were used to this kind of thing and knew how to be safe, what to look out for, the best place to hitch up the horses, where there was shade and water, etc. At some point during the night, there was a tragedy, something which to this day they still remember and cannot explain. You see, When they woke up the next morning, one of the horses was dead, flat on the ground, no visible injuries whatsoever, but very much so dead. The other horse was just standing next to it as if it didn't even notice or care. It was very unusual since horses are generally very sensitive creatures. Both my parents are very light sleepers. My mom often ends up on the couch when dad snores too loud. There was absolutely no way they would sleep through the noise of one of the horses being attacked. They were distraught, to say the least. It was my mother's horse and horse's neck. She noticed something. Two little holes, which were barely visible, but definitely there now that she had seen them. They were deep not just surface wounds, almost like something had drilled into the horse, or latched onto it. There was the smallest drops of blood. My mother refused to leave her old friend, so my dad ended up riding his horse home, then driving his truck and trailer out to collect mother and hers. They asked one of their buddies, who was some sort of medical examiner, to see what could have caused the unusual wound and way of death. They were at this point, thinking that some sort of poisonous snake had bitten the horse, and it somehow had a heart attack, even though there was none of the usual signs like vomiting or frothing around the mouth. Well, it wasn't that. When their buddy performed the autopsy, he ended up calling in another colleague, as he was totally stumped, by what he had discovered. He asked my parents, are you sure there wasn't any blood at the scene? And they replied nothing, not a drop. It would have been easy to spot because you see when the guy opened up the horse, it was completely dry inside. Not one single drop of blood was left as if it had all been leaked out. When examining the wound on the neck, they discovered it was a clean puncture wound. Very well done. The only possible explanation of death was that something had latched onto the horse, somehow, without making a single noise or kicking up a fuss, and completely drained it of every last drop of blood. All the while, the second horse just watched, not being spooked or fussing. All done in total silence, Otherwise, one of my parents would have actually awoken. The story made the local newspaper. People began locking their animals up at night, keeping a closer eye on them. A couple even set up guard on their barns, armed with shotguns. Meanwhile, others began hanging crosses in their yards, or even burning sage. Rumors were rife, and one name kept coming up over and over although my parents swore they never took much notice. Chupacabra. Was it really the blood-sucking mythical beast? From what I have read, it usually prefers goats, but hey, how do we know whether even cryptids can pass on a free meal when they just so happen to be passing through? I'm not saying I believe one way or the other, really, but it was the right area and right sort of time. What else could have caused that sort of injury and cause of death and leave absolutely zero trace? I had a really weird and pretty scary experience the other night. I was out, walking with my dog, and we were heading back from quite a long walk. I was feeling pretty worn out, and my dog was beginning to trail behind me. All I could think... Was putting my head down into my pillow. We live in quite a rural place, and there is a lot of space in between the houses. Several of my neighbors also have livestock, mainly chickens, a couple of pigs, that sort of thing. It was when I was walking past my closest neighbor, who just so happens to have three large pigs, that I heard a screaming, squealing noise. My dog began going mad, Barking, trying to get off his leash. Mr. Jones in that house is old and deaf and would likely sleep right through it, even if a coyote or something was attacking his precious pigs. He loved those pigs more than any person. Grabbing the leash tighter, I headed into the yard, thought I would be a good neighbor and go check on his pigs. I knew he wouldn't mind me being on his property. Or so I hoped. I was just trying to be a good Samaritan. But I didn't want to spook the pigs anymore. So I tied the dog to a post and headed carefully over to the pen. Now, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting to see. It was pretty dark, of course, as it was around one in the morning. Listen, I work swing shifts, so my schedule is literally all over the place so I try and get exercise and walks in when I can. But Mr. Jones keeps a porch light on, which was giving just enough illumination to the pen that I could roughly make out what was happening. Something was in there with them. I'm not a fool. I'd be out walking my dog and I didn't have any sort of weapon on me. I backed away real slow, took the dog off his leash I no longer cared about spooking the pigs. Here is a big dog, and my hope was that he would scare off whatever was in there. I didn't know exactly what it was. It looked kind of like the size and shape of a coyote, but it didn't look right. I told myself it was just fright. I was scared, and the fact that the pig pen was in shadows. Well, my dog leapt in, and began attacking whatever this animal was. About a minute later, gave a yelp that almost stopped my heart in place. The thing, which was certainly not a coyote, jumped over the fence of the pen, and raced off towards the woods at the back of his property, on two legs. I didn't get a great look at it. I jumped into the pen as my dog was lying on his side, whimpering, and dying there was blood pouring out of his neck I checked on the pigs all three were dead they looked like they had just fallen over and died I wrapped my dog's neck in my sweater and banged on Mr. Jones' door I didn't want to stay I wanted to get home and make sure my dog was okay but I had to tell him what had happened the next morning I went back to see him Thankfully, the injury to my dog had been superficial and after a quick trip to the ER animal doctor, he was patched up. The vet was a bit baffled as to that animal since I told them about the attack. What could have caused the injury as he said it was a very specific wound, two puncture marks. Mr. Jones, however, was devastated. The sheriff was called and it was reported. When the sheriff came to see him and take a look at the pigs, he was just as baffled as the vet had been. They ended up asking the same animal doctor, but I told you it was a small rural town, about the cause of the death. The only injury he could find was two puncture marks on each of their necks. Cause of death, blood loss, not a drop of blood left in anything. What did I see that night? Was this a person puncturing the neck holes? Was this some sort of wild dog that had the ability to walk upright? But what on earth sucks the blood out of animals like this? Is it true that vampires can be a thing? Or are there vampiric animals? Please, help me understand this. I am just trying to make sense of it all and I honestly can't. So, I have to preface this story with admitting that I had been drinking when it happened. However, we were talking a few beers, down with my local friends. I wasn't wasted, just a nice warm buzz. Best to be honest. It happened a few years ago, now. Oh, and before I continue, I have never met any drinker in my entire life or known anybody that has seen things off of a few beers. I feel like that's important to note. When I tell this story and people say, yeah, but you drank, or yeah, but you were buzzed. Again, alcohol, at least in that small of quantity, does not cause hallucinations. Not like this. As I said, I'd been down at the bar and we had been chit-chatting and having a good time. Once it got to closing time, we all headed off our own way. For me, it was about a half-hour walk home from me, which I never minded. The fresh air was always clearing and invigorating. I have walked that route a hundred times, day and night. And at the time, it was sometime in November, before Thanksgiving. I can recall it being very dark and cold, and I was walking pretty quickly. I do live in a little busy town now, so there were streetlights most of the way, cars going past. It wasn't dead, even though it was roughly 11.30 p.m., so not early, but not in the early hours in the morning. But halfway through my walk, there is also an underpass under one of the main roads. They're never in pleasant places. You don't want to hang around them, not because I thought anything bad might happen, but they stink lots of trash, there might be a homeless camp nearby, I'm not sure, but I do know sometimes you get homeless people. They never give me any problems, and I feel bad for them, but they usually bring down a lot of bad things, drugs, trash, drug deals, gangs, etc. It's a case of head down, hands in pockets, breathe through your mouth and get out of there as soon as possible. The road above it is fairly large and the pass is quite long and of course several of the lights in there are always broken or seem to be flickering. Even in the middle of the day, it can be a bit spooky. So, it was typical that when I was walking through right then less than half of the lights seemed to be on one and the ones that were were flicking on and off like some lame laser show. I was less than halfway in When they all went out together, just for a moment or two, I stopped still, as they began to flicker again towards the other end of the pass, the end I needed to get to in order to exit, and standing there was the single most terrifying thing I've ever laid my eyes on. At first, I thought it was a person, because what else would be standing there, tall and upright, on two legs? A person, right? What I'm about to tell you now is going to sound very cliché, but the tunnels seemed to get really cold. Yes, I have already said it was November, and nighttime, but the air went from chilly to absolute frigid. I could just sense that gut feeling, that instinctual, that something was really off about this person. But I had no choice. I had to keep moving, and the only way I was going to get home was to pass him, or them. As I got closer, the more weird I felt. My entire being was screaming run away. And to be honest, as I said, although I was no means drunk, I think the alcohol in my system kept me moving and not running back in fear. They don't call it Dutch courage for nothing, Just as I was close enough to be able to make out this blurry and shadowy feature, the end light above him flashed on, and I got to see exactly what was in the underpass with me. He did look like a person. So far, he was human-shaped. I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. The first thing I noticed was that he was naked and had almost white, pale, translucent-like skin, hairless very skinny almost sickly think like a holocaust survivor on the verge of death bones protruding out from under their skin they looked visibly starved as if seeing a pale naked bloke in the tunnel in the middle of the night wasn't traumatic enough then what i will describe now will tell you why this was so bad his face wasn't right He, or they, or whatever it was, had tiny little black eyes, virtually no nose, and a wide, gaping mouth that appeared to have sharp little teeth like a shark, and two overly-sized, protruding canines. That's right, canines, as in fangs. And his face was dried blood all over it, like there was some coming out of his mouth. And I could tell you, I stood there, Gaping at him, I can tell you, I just stood there, gawking at him or it. I'm not sure now I could call this thing a hymn. I just don't know. Then, just as I actually began murmuring some sort of prayer, I thought it was going to kill me. But it sort of just flew away. I know it sounds weird, but honestly, just like in a movie or something, it shot straight up into the air and appeared to dissipate or vanish entirely. I ran out of there as fast as I could, all the way home, like my life depended on it, and it really did feel that way. What was that thing? I keep going through all sorts of ideas. I know some drugs can really mess you up, but as far as I know, they don't give you the ability to fly. As I said, it was a few years ago now I can tell you that I never went near that underpass again. If I met my friends, I'd just get a taxi or an Uber home, not even bother walking, not even in the daylight, unless I couldn't help it. I've looked through newspapers, online articles, anything, but I've never come across anyone seeing remotely similar to this. Or maybe they have, and like me, have just been too scared to talk about it through fear of ridicule, or fear of being called a liar. Either way, I know that I will never forget that night, and that thing I saw, I hope I never see it again. I wouldn't call myself an urban explorer. I would just call myself somebody whose curiosity gets the better of him when he sees places That look like they've been abandoned for a very long time. I don't take all the pictures, I don't make the videos, and I don't run the YouTube channel. I just see a dark hole, and some part of me decides that I can't go on with life unless I see what's in there. It amazes me how people go through their daily lives and don't notice the empty, dark places that surround them. It's like they just take it for granted that there's no empty and used space around them, when actually, such places are close enough that at any given time for them to breathe on. I take the subway to work every day. Just about everybody around me has their nose buried in a book or glued to their phones. But I have a way of looking around, because there's bound to be a part of the subway that's no longer in use and that's waiting to be explored. There was one such place that I had been working up the courage for months to check out. I noticed it within two or three weeks of taking this new job, which required that I take the subway. You would miss it if you blinked. I couldn't tell if it was a hole in the wall, or a door in the wall that just wasn't maintained. Either way, it was in a section of the tunnel that was supposed to have been off-limits to pedestrians which for me was a big flashing red arrow. I eventually decided on a day that I was going to check it out. I packed a bag made sure I had a couple of functioning lights, got the schedule of the train down so that I wouldn't get squished, and then I went. The walk to the hole in the wall was a bit longer than I had estimated. I likely misjudged how quickly I was traveling when I was in the subway car The adrenaline rush from wondering if I was going to make it in time without getting run over was oddly enjoyable, but looking back, it's not something I would want to do again. I'm happy to say that I reached my destination without incident. The only thing that happened was my heartbeat picking up from sheer excitement. There was indeed a door, but it looked like it had been torn off its hinges at one point in time and half-heartedly put back in place. I didn't need a fraction of the tools that I thought I would. The door put up as much as a fight as a dead body. Shining my torch around, the first room I found myself in appeared to be some sort of office space. The Desks and swivel chairs were glazed with dust. Nothing smelled out of the ordinary. Besides the mustiness and stillness of age, The furniture having a slightly dated look to it. So, I made a mental note to keep an eye out for a calendar that maybe had been left behind. I was hooked. The place was mine, and I was going to uncover its secrets. The other rooms were similar. There didn't appear to be any accommodations for visitors. No lounges or anything where people would sit around reading magazines. I uncovered at least 11 rooms, and I was beginning to wonder if I would get lost. But what I had found was turning out to be rather vast. Even with all these rooms, there was no papers left behind, no calendars, which was as inspiring as it was disheartening. It suggested to me that they were trying to hide something sensitive. And then, I went into one of the more rooms that was behind a heavy door heavy enough to take care of a freezer. That's when the smell had hit me. Something had been rotting down there, and recently, perhaps a rat or something. I tried to tell myself, but shining my light around revealed carcasses of wild animals, arranged in neat stacks. Foxes, squirrels, raccoons, feral dogs, cats, and even rats. I think I even saw something big enough to be a dog or a coyote. Some detail about the bodies was trying to reach me through my senses. I had to stare before I could finally put my finger on it. Each carcass had two neatly spaced punctures in it. Also, the carcasses that had clearly been there a while seemed to be well preserved, as if they had somehow been embalmed which would mean that the blood had been drained out of them. That's when I felt my throat tighten. My senses ramped up, and my imagination threatened to conjure up perceptions where there was nothing to see or hear. I began to think that I could hear something matching my footsteps. There hadn't been an echo before, and then there was when I had discovered the stash of partially mummified animals. When I direct my light to where I thought I could hear the mimic, there was nothing. I decided to walk out there and not look back or stop for anything. That's when something behind me lunged and missed. When I got my light on it, I thought I was looking at a very scrawny, naked child. It was thin as bodies you saw in the photos of mass burials during World War II. Then, it turned its head toward me, It had a canine cast to its features, yet it appeared to be pink and bald. Its mouth hung open, showing two rather long canine teeth, a very long tongue, and an organ clearly in the habit of lapping. I realized that I had brought nothing with me to properly defend myself, so I tried to keep my light on it and back out of the abandoned cluster of rooms. The face it kept trained on me looked fearful, but it advanced on me with each step I took backwards. I wasn't afraid of me at all. It made soft hisses, followed by muffled clicks in its throat. Just as I had thought I might have cornered myself by not looking where I was going, I found the aperture back out into the subway. Checking the time was an afterthought. My only concern was getting away from the subway. It came right up to the doorway, but it seemed to flinch at the light. I made it back out, without getting run over or bitten. That's probably one of the most horrific urban exploration stories I can share with you. I've been single since I was 16. I'm 37, I can't go around sharing my story with the public because it technically involves an unsolved case, and this day and age, any publicity can be turned around and made somehow into incriminating evidence. It's just something that I've been carrying around for a long time, and I need to tell somebody, even if nobody knows who I am. I'm hoping that telling it to you guys and your listeners by extension Will help me to lay this to rest. I fell in love when I was 15. I think everybody knows just how white hot teenage love burns. It may be shallow, but it's still intense. We both lived in a backwater township in Michigan. One of those places where you have a huge forest and six houses just close enough to each other that somebody eventually decides that constitutes a town. We had been neighbors there all of our lives, and didn't even know it until middle school. We both couldn't look away when we first saw each other. Both of us spent our share of time outdoors, so it was only a matter of time, of course, that we would find ways of spending time together outside the classroom, without anyone suspecting it. Despite growing up all around those woods, there were certain parts of it, that made me feel apprehensive but this girl she was fearless she drove straight into thorns and poison ivy and stuff that looked like coyotes slept in it and she never got hurt or anything i tried to charm her as a good old country boy then came to find out she was more rugged and at home in the outdoors than i was it was as endearing as it was embarrassing I told her that we needed a spot where nobody would ever interrupt us when we were together. So, she took my hand and guided me to a corner of the woods that made the outside world feel a million miles away. Almost a whole other world away. But it was near enough to have the rickety remains of one of those old-timey corn cribs. She had outfitted it just enough for us to be comfortable It looked like a condemned structure from the outside, but cozy enough in. We had an oil lantern in case we got caught in the dark. Like all teenage relationships, there were rough spots. Some worse than others, but we got through most of them, all but one. And it was the one that cost me the most. I only had the backbone to go out to our special spot when she was with me. I just couldn't do it by myself. I felt like there were things in the thickets, and the shadows, just waiting to get me by myself. She was in and out of there, all the time by herself, but I just didn't have it in me. Our parents were beginning to get suspicious, and to that, the fact that she thought I had my eye on someone else. She wouldn't let me explain my side of things in detail that I thought was necessary, so We ended up arguing really bad and went our separate ways. She was not at school the next day, or the day after. The weekend came, and I spied on her house. I saw her parents, and I saw her little brother, but I did not see her. I wondered if she was camping out at our special spot. I'm ashamed to say that I was too much of a coward to make a walk out to it by myself. I wanted to, but no matter how I put my mind to it, I couldn't shake the feeling of some kind of presence in those woods, watching me the way I watched her house. I let Saturday and Sunday go with her, still missing. Of course, by then, the alarm had been sounded that there was a teenager who was unaccounted for. It wasn't safe for me to spy on her house anymore and the whole thing hit the news. By Tuesday, I had worked up the bravery to go out to our special spot and see if anything had become of her there. She was there, and she was dead. I had hoped that she was just asleep, but nobody sleeps with their eyes open by that much. There was a notepad nearby. She had been writing me a letter when something interrupted her. It was a letter to me, and the page was only half full, and it ended in the middle of a sentence. There were no bruises, only two holes cleanly punched into her neck. Her skin was even gray and devoid of color. I got home, called the cops, told them what I had found. That was the day that my faith in humanity came to a screeching halt. I never dreamed that so many people would want me to be the bad guy. Not just her parents, but the rest of the town. The rest of the viewing area. Minds were made up that I was the one that had killed her. I must have done it in a fit of jealousy when I saw the note she was writing. When I made my defense with the strange injuries found on her neck, people acted like I was speaking in Latin or something. It just didn't register. Their anger made them deaf to anything that wasn't a confession of guilt. Just enough detectives and legal eagles had just enough brain cells to comprehend the fact that I wasn't responsible for her death, and I was ruled out as the killer. But the judge's verdict wasn't good enough for everyone else. I was all but completely ostracized. I'm pretty much a hermit now. I have been ever since that I could afford to live on my own, People are like unpredictable dogs. Yes, I've gone back to our special spot. I've done so, so many times over the years. A few times, I did it to offer myself to whatever had killed her, or whoever, to leave behind my body to the community. Then, I started getting the idea that I would kill the thing that killed her, and present it. To either law enforcement, or possibly the Smithsonian's, depending on what I find. I've come close to bagging it a few times, and it's definitely not human. I don't think it has the mental capacity to understand what it has done to my life and my psychiatric health. That doesn't change the fact that I'm going to kill it. That's my reason for living right now, killing this thing when I'm not drinking long enough to get myself together and go out there, I try to figure more about the thing. I'll get my way eventually. After that, I don't know what I'll live for. This was before you weren't allowed to smoke in bars anymore. I was at my favorite beer hole, where the smoke was thick enough to drive a nail into it I was just beginning to get a real good buzz when my younger brother started blowing at my phone. His speech was so rushed that I was afraid that he had gotten back on the meth again. Turned out he was just super excited over something. All I could piece together was that I needed to come to his place as soon as possible. I was caught. I didn't dare tell him that I went out drinking without him. I couldn't dream of anything more important to keep me from going. So I paid up my tab and left. The trees and the telephone lines were black cutouts against the setting sun by the time I pulled into his driveway. And he was waiting outside for me, running in circles like a dog that needed to go real bad. I asked him what was so important that I had to drop everything and come running right that second. He gestured to me to follow him and didn't even stop to make sure I was following. He picked up an electric lantern and led me out to a small barn where he housed a hobby-sized crowd of goats. The goats were laying down, looking at us. I couldn't help but notice that they were looking nervous. My brother took me over to a couple of crates where a goat lay drawn out. I could hear the buzzing of a few flies, and I caught the whiff of death. My brother looked at me, as he was expecting some sort of reaction. Dead animals did not impress me, and I was starting to get creeped out by the eagerness that I saw in my brother's eyes. I asked him what this was all about. He told me to take a close look. I objected, on account of the fact that it was dead and had been so long enough to clearly stink. He pointed to the animal's neck, held the lantern close and the goat's dark fur. I could see it. Two holes evenly spaced, like something done by a large snake. I looked at my brother, who still looked like a maniac, about to peel out of a bank robbery. I asked him if he had found a giant anaconda or something. He shook his head, and he brought me over to another set of crates with a cage on top of it. My eyes still weren't completely adjusted, and I thought I had seen some kind of monkey behind those bars. But this monkey had no fur, had pale pink skin that was the same texture of the pleather on my steering wheel, and the eyes were wide open, coppery-orange colored, and two long, hook-like canine teeth sticking out from the creature's lips. And then, I saw those teeth, and it hit me. I waited for some hint that this entire thing was fake. But no. It blinked. It twitched. The skin around its shoulders and legs writhed as it was seized, with the instinct to flee, but could not. He must have been happy with the look that came onto my face. He'd tried to tell me it was something funny-sounding, like a choopy kubi or something. I'm not sure. He said that he had lost several goats to it, and wasn't sure what to make of it until that point. So he put a hen in a cage, and waited, and just like that, he bagged it. He proceeded to dance around like a fool, and that was something he did only when he was under the influence. I wouldn't find out much later that he indeed had been getting back on the meth, and beginning to abuse other stuff. He figured that with the money he was going to make from selling this thing to the proper people, he could afford that lifestyle. Well, when you dance around like that in close proximity, you tend to knock it over. And cages that get knocked over have a good chance of opening, and open cages tend to not hold whatever was inside of them if you catch where I'm going my brother knocked over the cage and i saw the whole thing play out like it was in slow motion the thing seemed surprised that it had a chance to get away but i wasn't going to put my hands on it and my brother's coordination was shot it got away just like that and brother screwed up and paid for it nothing dramatic since he tested positive for all the garbage in the system Nobody believed a word of what he had to say, and I didn't see anything like that little green gremlin sense. You're the only person that will ever hear me admit that, which is weird. This is a story I've been keeping in, and I know by the way I write it that I probably sound like a storyteller, but this was my own personal experience. I've never in my life seen a creature that looked to me like that. It reminded me of some failed science experiment, something you'd hear about in a sci-fi movie, where they genetically splice things together to create a whole new being. Well, now that's a thing of the past, I hope.